The actions we take will enable us to attract towards us what we need to move to the next level. Hi baby, hop in the Lamborghini. Uh, I'm needy, I'm me only, I'm needy. Uh, hi baby, hop in the Lamborghini. Uh. Left for a minute, I don't know sweat it. Look at that guy just finished. There it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome another episode of Stroke of Success today. Today's guest is a special guest. Now, let me tell you how I came across her. I'm a big fan of podcasts, as y'all know. And there's a gentleman in Pakistan who does, uh, his name is Junaid, Junaid Akram, I think his name is. He's a comedian. He does political, social topics. He, he's, he's, he's a mastermind. And I was, I'm a big fan of his podcast. And I came across Alia's uh, interview a few months ago. And I reached out to her team to connect me Alia, thank you so much for jumping on today. Thank you so much for being our guest. Pleasure. Alia, thank tell me, where, you, where are you from? Uh, so I do consider myself a little bit of a global citizen. Uh, my father's Pakistani. My mother's Australian. Um, lived in multiple countries. Currently, I'm living in Pakistan. Right. What part? Karachi, Islamabad, Lahore? Karachi. I, that's what I figured. You know, right before I jump <laughs> on here, I was talking to my mother-in-law. She's like, oh... Uh, where does she live? I think I think she lives in Karachi. So, awesome. I'll t- <laughs> I'll tell you my background. My mother is from Lahore. My father was from uh, Islamabad. I'm born and raised in in, uh, in America. My wife is American, but her mother is from Karachi. So, that's that connecting topic. Alia, talk talk to me about your your upbringing. Like where? How was it? You have a mixed marriage. Your parents have a mixed marriage. How did that affect your childhood, your mentality, your mindset? Ah, great question. Um, and it is going back a little while, actually. Um, I had, um, actually, you know, growing up, life was just what life was. And, you know, it seemed normal. Now that, you know, that that period of my life is over, um, I realized how special it actually was, how lucky we were. Um, I think we had two very dynamic parents, me and me as in my, myself and my siblings. We had very dynamic parents and they were dynamic because... There was they, they were the amazing role models for us in terms of uh, love. I mean, as a they were one of the most bonded couples I've ever met or seen uh, during our time and even um, you know as kids and even like now that at the space I work in. Um, I remember when I was growing up, um, you know, a lot of people would say that you know our pair, our fathers are very disengaged. They're not very present. Uh, present fathers was not something that was normal. My father was very engaged to the point of a fault sometimes, but he was very, very engaged. And we grew up in an environment where uh, the family unit was of very high priority. And it was, I remember as thinking about, you know, like there was this, well, we were living in Lahore actually at the time. And uh, somebody was saying, oh, you know, this person has a foreign mother and they just, you know, moved back to Pakistan, etc. And um, I was like, oh, really? I wonder what it's like to have a foreign mother. And then they're like, you do. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, I do. And it was <laughs> it was because it was because my parents were so incredibly respectful of each other's cultures and embracing of each other's cultures and values and religion. So when we were living in Pakistan, um, we lived like Pakistanis. You know, my, my mother would pray, my mother would, uh, we would fast and, and, and celebrate Eid and all of that sort of stuff. And when we were in Australia, 
I would go to church with my grandmother, you know, we'd go for Easter or for Christmas and we'd celebrate Christmas and all of that. And so we never had a conflict of cultures or values in our home. And I think what that did was it enabled us to grow up to be incredibly respectful of different values, of different cultures, of different beliefs, and to know that they're, that they're all right and none are wrong. And, um, and to grow up with a sort of an openness. And I think for me personally, my parents also reflected, they were the great, they were the original role models for me in terms of, um, of love, of what it means to be a meaningful couple watching them and how they showed each other care, how they both conducted themselves, were, for me, was my, were my first role models in, in, in life. So I'm, awesome. I'm eternally grateful to them both. That's such a sweet thing. You know, you don't hear these type of stories much often. You don't, yeah. you know. I have a very, my best friend, he's, he's, uh, his mother's from Philippines, his father's Punjabi, and they, uh, their marriage is very similar, like you're, you're describing the thing you said to me, man, you, you got to me. There's no right or wrong answer with religions. Mm. You know, it, everyone has their own version and it's okay. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? So anyways, that's awesome. That's an amazing story. Um, so you're brought up in Pakistan. In Pakistan Lohan, and Australia. Back and forth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you go to school or college? Both. Oh, I went to university in Australia. I went okay. to school in both countries. Okay. When, what, how old were you when you moved to Pakistan? I was actually born in Pakistan and uh, I moved, uh, we kind of moved between the two countries. I mean, we'd go every year back to Australia. So my mother was, you know, with her family. Um, but we moved there when I was a child. Um, can't actually remember what age, um, whatever age, it doesn't yeah, really matter. And we fine. moved back and then we moved back when I was a teenager. So I did my O-levels and A-levels in Pakistan. Then I went back to Australia and then I was there for quite a few years, went to university, et cetera. And uh, then eventually I came back. I married a Pakistani and my sister married an Australian. She stayed on. I married a Pakistani. I moved here. And um, we then eventually moved back to Australia as well. And I finally moved back here in 2017 in Pakistan. You're back and forth quite a bit. Huh? Yeah. Little... And we've lived in other countries in between as well. That's how I say global citizen. Yeah. Any time, but by any chance in the United States? No, oh. no, not the United States. Hey, next time, next next country on your list. Next you trip, have. yeah. Please come to Florida. <laughs> you can be with me, my guest. We'd love to have you. Uh, thank you. Thank um, you. What do you what you graduate in? What's your degree? Your niche? So I studied mathematics and Arab and Islamic culture. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of uh, disparate, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was what I graduated in. And, and the reason, sorry, the reason for, for mathematics was I was originally, um, I, so I had, you know, our father was quite a, um, he was an outlier for the, for our generation. And um, where most other fathers were like, you know, families were like, oh no, women are supposed to get married, whatever. He was very much about, uh, no, I want my daughters to be educated. I want my daughters to be independent, no matter what they do and get married or whatever may happen. I want them to have their own careers. And so he was like, um, you know, he, my sister was a chartered accountant and he wanted me to be a computer programmer, et cetera. And um, so I started my, and I was very good at maths and I started my first year of computer computer programming and I was hopeless at it. 
I hated it. And the teacher was like, look, you don't have a, this is not, this is not your subject. I'm like, I know it's not my subject, but I have to do it. And, and they're like, well, look, no. So I, I dropped it, but I was good at math. So I continued with that. And, um, but things like, you know, Arab and Islamic culture, history, all of these stuff, things were really where my passion lay. And uh, so I balanced maths with Arab and Islamic culture, which is such an interesting subject. That's amazing. When did NLP come in the picture? Ooh, great question. Much later in life, much later in life. And um, it's interesting, you know, um, using the analogy of a river will eventually always find its path. And, wow. um, and I think it's, um, and so I found my flow I found my song and I believe we're all born with our own song. That's right. And our life's journey is to sing our song. And our life's journey is to first find it and then sing it. And um, and so for me, I find I found my song through NLP and in NLP. Um, so I had a very meandering uh, pathway to NLP. I was first, you know, once I finished uh, university, I was um, in media and I was, I was doing various different things. I was making documentaries. I was working for a business program. I was doing a lot of writing, whatever. And I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it, was a, it was a talent that I did have. Um, but I was still never quite, I was still, there was always a sense of not quite landing. And um, I remember when I was a child, uh, a friend of my parents, who was a very successful person, actually, uh, worked very hard. And he said, uh, he said, I haven't worked a day in my life. And as a child, I was like, as a teenager, I was like, what on earth does that mean? Because he works so hard. And so I was asking my mother, so what does he mean? Because it means that he's really passionate about what he does. And I was like, I still didn't get it because I equated hard work or work with pain. And there was and pay, work and pleasure or work and fun were two different things. And I couldn't understand how somebody could say that. So um, meandered through life, got married, blah, blah, had children, always felt like I was searching and always felt like I was not enough. I wasn't just, there was just something. I'm not, not even not enough is not a, is a correct way of putting it. It was, it was a sense of never being with me. And I'm not sure if that makes sense. And um, there came a point, we were actually living in Dubai and my career was in media up to that point. And even in Dubai, I was working part-time in, in, in the media industry. And um, we arrived in Dubai, we were living in Australia, we arrived in Dubai, my husband had a job there. And um, I just felt quite broken. And um, I didn't want to leave Australia. Um, kids were kind of young. And um, you know, we had a lot of friends there and they were all like, well, what's, got, what's happened to you, Alia? You were always such a, you know, you were so, you were so, full of life and you know I've always been a people person kind of person I like love engaging with people and um and I said I don't know what's happened I feel like uh we're all given a quota of words and I feel like I've used up mine and I've got nothing left to say and I'm not interested in hearing anybody else's either I don't have the capacity to take anybody else's words and um it was a it was a very very dark period of my life um there's very high levels of depression um the relationships were kind of shot to pieces um i uh i just i just felt very much as if i was living life at such an incredibly superficial level and um and and superficial 
to the point of living a meaningless life. And yes, I was a mother and I was a wife and, you know, it's doing the do of all of that, but not really connecting and nothing really meaningful. And, um, and I was in a lot of physical, I mean, I was in a lot of pain that was also manifesting physically in certain ways. Relation, like my relationship with my husband was in a mess. My, I kind of pushed friends away. My kids used to say I was really angry. And I remember talking to a friend and um, uh, I was like, you know, I just, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what to do. I feel like I need to do more, but I just don't know what to do. It's such a shallow living. And I was also really struggling with this sense of living in Dubai where there's such a disparity between the haves and the have nots. And, um, and I was struggling with this sense of needing something more, needing something deeper, feeling frustrated with my life and yet living the life that Dubai offers, you know, having the best cars, having the living the best place, going on amazing holidays, you know, all of that. And, and then, then the guilt that I should be grateful because there's so many people that you can see uh, who don't have it. So what am I complaining about? And there was this massive, massive levels of a conflict within myself. Anyway, I moved back to Australia with the children. My husband was being transferred elsewhere. And so I moved back to Australia with the kids. And I was with a friend and I'm like, you know, I'm just really stuck. I just don't know what to do with myself. I've lost meaning. I've lost, I just, you know, I don't know who I am. I don't, blah, blah. And she, and I said, you know what I need? I don't need to go and see a therapist because I know there's nothing wrong with me. I just, I feel like I need somebody to tell me, like a coach, somebody to tell me like, I'll do this and I'll do it. I said, I'm willing to do anything. I just don't know what to do. I need somebody to tell me because I don't know which direction to go in. And she said to me, because, you know, there is such a thing as a life coach. And I'm like, what? That sounds insane. What do you mean a life coach? She goes, yeah, there's such a thing as a life coach. So I, you know, I researched it and I, you know, discovered, I was living in Melbourne, discovered some courses in, in life coaching, et cetera. So I signed up and um, still never had, I'd never heard of NLP. And, um, and that took me into NLP because NLP is the science behind coaching. And NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, uh, like I said, is the science behind coaching and it was a game changer. So it wasn't immediate, but as I continued with my studies, with my journey in, in that course, in all the stuff that had to come after, I found my song. And, and the finding of the song wasn't, wasn't sort of suddenly like, you know, lift a book and it's underneath. It was an emergence. It was like a, like a flower blooming inside of me. It was like an awakening to myself. It was, and I've never looked back. It's been, it's been 14 years and um, I've never ever looked back. And I am so grateful for that dark period because if it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't have gone searching. And uh, so often wow. I tell people, yeah, I tell people in my trainings, I tell my clients um, that, you know, that be grateful for your challenges because they're there for you. They come, the universe sends them to you for to, and if you engage with it, to get you to that other side where you may have a chance to find your song because we all have a song inside of us. You're right. Wow. So, that's profound, Alia. When I never knew that story about you. I did some research. You know, it's interesting. It reminds me of my story a tad bit. I, I don't know if you're one of your your team member told you. I, I shared my story with her. I had a, I had a stroke five years ago. Yes. I was 35, 35 years. I'm 41 now. And uh, I was a 95 corporate job, but I wasn't happy. I was a director of marketing. 
I was like a zombie, you know, not the best husband, not best father. And one fine morning, Christmas morning, I just fell on the floor and went to in a coma. Family Gosh. was called in around the world to say goodbye. And I survived it. Let's just say I learned how to walk and talk again. I went back to my job and like, listen, sayonara, we're, we're let, letting you go. And like you, Alia, it was my dark period. I have to move in my in-laws, want some small babies with me. And, you know, and I found entrepreneurship, real estate and self-development. Tony Robbins, you know, uh, all the big wigs that, you know, the Western world talks about. And I came across NLP. And uh, and a good buddy of mine, he's he's a high, high profile salesperson. And he kills it. Amazing income. And he told me the other day, he goes, hey. I, I goes. I'm, I was talking to him. He goes. I owe it to NLP. He goes. Uh, NLP was it gave me the tool to better communicate and and get things done. Mm. It's insane. Yeah, and NLP. I, I'm not sure if your audience is uh, knows what NLP is. So please NLP, break it down yeah. for them. Yeah. So NLP stands for neuro linguistic programming. And today I'm a master trainer in NLP. And what NLP does is it looks at we it, it it looks at behind the curtain of what you're feeling, what you're doing, what's going on, right? And it's the it looks at the relationship between our internal processings, whatever's happening in our at a conscious and unconscious level in our mind. It looks at our language, our communication, the words we use, and looks at our behaviors and how they all interact and influence each other to create our outcomes. And so NLP looks at how we are creating our reality, not what our reality is and why. It's how we're creating our reality and what can we do to create the reality we desire if it's not what we're currently having. So it, it in, in fact, I was uh, at a training in, uh, I was doing a training in, in Sydney a few years ago. And I was, I put it, you know, it's the end of the evening and, you know, trainings run for many, many days. I was at the end of the evening, going home and, uh, you know, I was feeling a little bit brain dead, exhausted, drained. And the taxi driver was like, oh, so what do you do? And, you know, I like, they love to have conversations with you. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I was trying to start babbling away something, you know, of trying to explain what I do and or what NLP is. And he kind of, he's, he's driving and looking at me because, oh, so you mean it's like a manual for your brain. And I sat up and I'm like, my God, you're right. That's a great description. NLP is like a, is a manual for your brain. It helps you to, so instead of the brain running you, your thoughts running you, it's you running your brain and your thoughts and your mind. And, um, and to enable you in whatever area, and that's the beauty of NLP is that it is what we call content-free, which means that you can use all the tools and capabilities abilities um, that it offers, whether you're in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a teacher in education, in health, in, in performance, in any area. And in fact, all high functioning people have coaches. So one of the things that I do, I do, I wear a number of hats and one of them is as a leadership coach. I do a lot of work within the corporate sector and with leaders and any high functioning person, you look at, you look at professional athletes, you look at uh, uh, um, high, um, movie stars, actors. actors, 
movie stars. Politicians. Everyone has, yeah. Apart from their, say, an acting coach or a, or a sports coach, they will also have a mindset coach. 100%. Because it's all how you, how you come to something. You know, it's your mindset that is the difference that makes a difference. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, age one to four or age one to three or four, our brain, our brain is like very wet soil. Mm. Mother and father fighting about money. Oh, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is so hard to do. The kid now hears that and he grows up subconsciously, then consciously, money is so hard to get. I will never become that. I'm I'm Pakistani. I'm not white. I cannot become the president. I cannot become company owner. Is that true? Is that how subconscious? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. In fact, it's not even one to four, it's zero to seven. It's what oh. we call the imprint years. And what that means is at from the age of zero to seven, we are there's also, by the way, there's a whole school of thought which kind of, you know, um is also that it's even before uh, we're born. Um, there's, there's a lot of research to show and through hypnosis, we've, um, we can also uh, take people back into the womb. So even what a, what a fetus is experiencing in the womb is going to have an impact. Uh, but zero to seven is what we call the imprint period, which is when we are unconsciously and without critical thought absorbing what is it, the values and life and thoughts and perspectives that are around us. And they will have a massive impact on how we perceive life and how we perceive opportunity or, or not. And um, we, you know, and, and, and what NLP looks at are, are the filters through which we experience life because we don't experience life as it is. We don't experience the external world as it is. We experience it as we are. We experience it, we give meaning according to what's, to, through the filters that we have. So, you know, when we talk about abundance and lack, the universe is fundamentally abundance. It is abundant, right? The lack is a mirage. And the lack that we perceive, whether it's lack of ability, lack of opportunity, lack of whatever, the lack is the mirage that's been created through what we call filters that we have created, that have developed through the imprint period. So beliefs, values, cultural makeup, there are a whole lot of areas where uh, beliefs come from and values come from, experiences, right? Um, and so what NLP does is it helps you to become aware of your filters. Are they serving you or are they not serving you? Are they holding you back or are they helping you forward? Because if somebody, we all have the same amount of time in a day, so to speak. And when some people are incredibly successful, and other people are not. It's got nothing to do with time. And we have a saying in NLP that we have all the resources we need to succeed. And what that means is, yeah, we can, you know, because one of the key things people say in terms of success or opportunity or, or doing something or not doing something is, oh, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, or I don't have the capability, right? Those are the three key areas. And, um, and it's, or it's not a value. So forget about that then. Now, time and money is an illusion. Then we come to capability. Capability is an internal belief system. Now, sometimes, yeah, we may not, but we may need to train. We may need to do something that will help develop our capability in something. 
but it's a mindset of I can do this if I try or whatever, or I just can't. And if I have a belief system, well, I just can't, and my brain is not even going to engage in the active thinking of, okay, how, in the how, right? Then time and money come in. Time and is illusion because everyone has the same amount of time. If something is important enough to you, you, do it. you will do it, right? Um, and money is also an illusion because our relationship with money is actually a real indicator of our relationship with ourselves and with life. And we talk about create, you know, luck. Sometimes people have a lot of luck, but we create our luck. And the actions we take will enable us to attract towards us what we need to move to the next level. Um, I don't know if that made sense. It made a lot of sense. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two, two, a point and a question. In the DC, um, to my American audience, Desi is a, a word we use to describe Pakistani, Indian, Bangladesh. In the Pakistani culture, there's a word that's called nazar. Yeah. Okay. It means that um, be careful. For example, I'll give you guys an example. If you have a very nice suit on, be careful when you go into a wedding, you may get nazar. And what would that do? You may have something fall on it. You may get a stain on it. You may get sick later on. And my grandmother, as from young age, my my parents got divorced. My grandmother raised me, my nanny, and she's telling me all the time. And that was my belief system for a long time. Is that part of that NLP subconscious that you know what? Another, another, another. Be careful. You got to get the evil eye on you, and some bad outcomes gonna happen. I started to believe it, and I noticed I started to manifest the bad outcomes. You want to share your thoughts about the evil eye and the bad energy and uh, and the believing in that? So, yeah. So, yeah, Nazar, you know, equates to evil eye. That's a belief, right? And and as you said, we, our beliefs become self-prophesizing, right? And when we believe, if we've been brought up with the belief of Nazar, it's no different to voodoo. It's no different to the the doll with the pins, Right. When you believe in something, you will manifest it. Um, good or bad. Good or bad. Doesn't matter. Good or bad. Yeah, both ways. If you believe that you're capable, and you will manifest that too. There's this whole saying: if you believe, if you believe you're going to be success, if you believe you're going to be successful, if you believe you're going to be a failure. You're right. Both, both it is people are belief. right. Yeah, you're right. Either way. Yeah. Because your beliefs are going to we are so. We have all this stuff going on around us, right? We get in, a, we get in, we can't process it all. We sort of process a minute amount of all the sensory input that goes on around us externally, right? And once it comes in, we kind of filter it. It goes to all of these filters of our beliefs, our cultural uh, uh, identities, our this, our that, all, a whole bunch of things. And then that uh, subconscious mind will create meanings out of. And that meaning is going to influence our behaviors and our thoughts. And so when we, when we believe in things like Nazar or whatever, at the end of the day, so it's going to, it's going to influence how we show up. Um, it's going to influence what we do. It's going to influence the meanings we give challenges when they show up. Because if we believe in Nazar, we're more likely to play small because we don't want to have that. Right, so we're more likely to play small. If situations happen, um, 
where we've, we haven't played small, we've played big, and then something has happened, right? Something catastrophic. And uh, if I may, with your permission, use the example that you, that you, that you just shared, um, we'll put a label of oh, Nazar happened, right? And then what, what, what that does is it goes into what we call the fixed mindset thinking. So it, we, we disempower ourselves from active thinking and like, okay, well, this is a situation that's happened. Not everything is in our control, sure. But if you, so if you have like, okay, well, Nazar happened and then we just carry on and then we will go with that thinking. But if we kind of able to sit back and say, okay, this situation took place. I was, I was, you know, whatever. And the situation happened and I lost my job and whatever. If we remove the Nazar filter, then we are able to give ourselves space to think about, okay, What's going on with my life? Let me take stock. What went wrong? What went right? I had a stroke in, in, I was up there and I had a stroke. Is my body, because we have this, another thing about the mind body is one system. And our emotions, our, our feelings, um, the way I describe it to people is that when we have emotions and feelings and whatever is that's, that's going on, is it's like our body's like a car. And so these emotions and all of these things that we might feel are like the lights on the dashboard of our car. So, you know, when the, the car is, you know, low on petrol, the, 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 the petrol light will go on. If it's, you know, if it's heating up, the, 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 the temperature light will go on. And so many other lights will go on where the car is communicating with you that, hey, I, I need this at this point. And you take take action, right? Now, if we constantly ignore those lights, the car is going to break down. And the mind body is the same thing. So there's a whole, and there's a lot of research today to show it as well, that um, if we neglect and we don't listen to that internal, whatever it is, that is communicating with us, if we're not, if we're not paying attention to the lights on our dashboard, eventually our vehicle of our body is going to break down in some way. And that's often where a lot of disease comes from because disease is actually dis-ease. Yeah, and you know, and we have lived in, a, I mean, you're 41, so, you know, from so the 80s where, you know, Reaganomics and then the 90s of, you know, um, capitalism and profits and all of that went like into, you know, fifth gear type of thing success and monetary success and um, professional success became king. And not everybody is made for that. We are multidimensional beings. There's more to us than that. And when we just are driven by that and expectation, that's what's important. And the only thing, it can have, it can have a profound impact. So some people may use the word Nazar with that. I would be somebody who's sitting back and saying, okay, what is what what can I learn from that situation? What is my body telling me? What do I need to change? Which just sounds like what you did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do believe in energy, right, Alia? Oh, 100%. Right. You I do think we're very energetic people. You, you can go in a meeting and some people could have amazing energy and you're smiling and the, the flow and they could be the opposite. Um, mm. You are familiar with the, the term law of attraction? I am very familiar with the law of attraction. Um, yes, I am. You go forward and I'll give you my opinion. So it's it's huge here in the Western world. I know it's, like, it's getting huge in India and Pakistan. I was, I, I've been a student of it for a long time. The initial thing that I was, I was taught about it was 
think about it, close your eyes, visualize about it, write about it, and it'll come to you. And then I do more, I did more exercising and then I find out, do all, you should do all that, but then put some action and mm -hmm. the universe or God or whatever you want to label it will come together and, and put it in front of you. You have to meet it halfway. What's your take? What's your perspective? What's your definition? And put the NLP together. How does it work? So in terms of laws of attraction, yeah, there is, there is a law of attraction. You will attract um, certain things to you. A lot of people, there's this, this value system that, okay, you think about whatever you want, just, you know, think about it, visualize it, write about it, dream about it, and it'll come to you. It's not so easy, right? It's not that easy. The thing is, we are vibrational beings, right? We vibrate at certain levels, energetically, whatever it is. And there's this, you know, motion creates emotion. So we can be vibrating at a, if we're vibrating at a low energy, right? We're depressive or we're, 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 we're in victim mindset or we're not doing a lot or we have low belief in low capabilities, whatever it might be. We're vibrating at a low, low energy. What's going to happen? And we might have dreams of grandeur, but when we are vibrating at that level, we're going to attract what is at the same vibrational level as us. And law of attraction means that you're actually going to attract stuff that is existing at the vibrational energy that you're at. Now, if you have dreams that are up here, you need to raise your vibrational energy to be in alignment with them. So success lies there. Happiness, joy, the, the, your soulmate, I mean, you know, the concept or whatever, I'm using that word loosely, lie here. But if you're here, you're not going to attract that. You're going to attract something else. And that's why people are like, oh, no, that's rubbish. No, it's not. 100%. For you to get here, you need to raise your vibrational energy. And you do that through working on yourself. You do that through action. You may have a goal. What are the small steps you're going to take along the way to get there? Because your actions are going to influence your vibrational energy. And when we have goals, which is what you know, law of attraction is all about, when we have goals, more than even the achievement of the goal, what it actually is about is the person we become along the way. Because the version of us over here who needs to be here is a different version of the person here, over here. This person is not the right fit for this goal. And even if you would take through magically, you would, and it happens say, in fa many family businesses, you take this person who's here and you plant them over here in their absolute dream role, dream life, it'll come crashing down because they, they don't have the capability. They're not vibrating at that level. Um, so my take on uh, law of attraction is that you attract at the vibrational energy you're at. And while we, NLP is all about goals and setting goals and stuff, and then it's about the journey to get there. And to also remember, it takes time. So when people have a goal, I want to earn a million dollars, and they're earning nothing. And they're like, you know, and they expect it to happen in a year. And, they're lot, and that's one of the issues that I have and one of the things we need to be careful of in the self-help industry is that there are these big promises that, oh, you can, and no, you can't earn, you cannot, unless whatever, you cannot earn a million dollars in a year if you've been earning nothing. 
Will you get there? Who knows? But it is your consistent effort and action and, and, and keeping your eye on the future and on your goals that is more likely to get you there. So that's my very take well on it. Very well put. And I agree with you. That's my latest uh, take on it too. You know, it's interesting how, you know, because I think a lot of people make money off of it. Mm. The quick scheme and, you know, just think about it and it'll come. And what would happen, I think, Ali, in my experience, you, like you said, you have a goal to make $100,000 a year. You're at, you're at 10,000. And if, in, in, in one month, month, month one, month two, month three, you're not really there you start to resent it more and you actually you're 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 going you're vibrating on a lower level now instead of going higher yeah um, faith versus fear right mm. talk to me about religion and nlp i've been raised by traditional mother and my grandmother dua hard work kismet kismet for my american audience means your whatever's written for you is done how do faith. you how do you faith exactly how do you how do you nlp can you do nlp with religion jewish muslim. christian muslim buddhist yeah, yeah and they're and they're mutually exclusive right um nlp doesn't question your religious beliefs we have a lot of people who who are deeply religious in fact um, are, are deeply religious and teach religion who do nlp with us because what nlp does is it helps you to become better more proficient more effective at whatever it is you do and there's a whole spiritual side of NLP as well, by the way. You know, and we talk about higher purpose and we talk about soul. And um, it is a sense of being in flow. Now, I, for me, religion is, and, and this is a personal belief, so I'm not putting it on anybody else, Please. Um, is religion helps you, is a pathway you take to climb a mountain. And the purpose is to get to the top of the mountain. And, um, and, in a way, religion enables spirituality, right? So it's, just, and spirituality is all about our, the growth of our soul. And we can have different paths up to the top of the same mountain. Essentially, that's what we're all doing. All human beings are, whatever our religious beliefs are, we're kind of all trying to do the same thing in maybe in different ways. And um, when you sort of chip it, chip it away, all religions basically teach similar, similar concepts. At, you know, and when you chip it away, take it back to bare bones. And so what NLP does is it helps you in how you think. It's not, it's not challenging your beliefs in, in whatever your religious beliefs are or practices are. It's got nothing to do with that. In fact, it enables you to, to come to your religion from a higher level of functionality, in my view. Because I believe if you really want to, to get the most from religion, you need to be higher functioning. You need to be educated. You need to, you need to have an active mind, an open soul or whatever you want to call it, right? That's when you are going to get the most from religion. Otherwise, you're a sheep. Somebody has told you, do this, do this, do this, do this, and that's what you're doing, and that you believe is what it is what it is. Sure, that's the ritualistic side of religion. Sure. But there's a higher spiritual side. It's an awakening of our soul. It's a growth of our soul. And um, and, and and going a bit spiritual here, but you know, I teach this in my trainings that in a way, you know, we're, we're spiritual beings before we are anything else. And um, the way I uh, my perception of it is that we're on a spiritual highway and we detour off into this life. And it's literally like being on a highway 
where you take a pit stop, uh, pit stop off to like go to the toilet or fill petrol or go and have a have, go and have a coffee or do whatever. You need to do something to fill to 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 you know for your for yourself or to do something to take care of your car or or whatever it is. And life is the same. We're here. We've taken our spiritual essences have taken a pit stop off and we've come into this life to do something where our soul needs to grow. We need to serve. We need to uh, we need to learn. And our learning and our growth happens through the process of what are we doing in this world? What are the ripples we're creating? And then we, when we've done whatever we need to do, we uh, exit out again back onto our highway. And it's really interesting that over the last, um, I mean, when I did NLP, it was still, it was very much around, but there weren't that many people doing it. It wasn't as common. Now it's like, like the mm-hmm. self-help help industry, NLP, uh, meditation, well-being, mindfulness, all of these things have just exploded. It's one of the biggest and fastest growing industries in the world. At a global level, at a global level, human beings are kind of waking up. We're in a transitionary stage in our evolution. And people are asking that question of what else or who am I or versions of that. And over the last, you know, the pre, so say the 80s into the 90s into maybe the early 2000s, we'd kind of gone to sleep and uh, at a spiritual level. And we were like, okay, we're just doing the do. And we were like, you know, it was all about whatever it was. And there is an, there is a, waking up that is taking place globally which i find interesting so yeah so nlp is not about religion there's no conflict with religion um in any way um but what it does is it it helps you to come at anything you do from a higher functional space and that includes religion includes includes your spiritual growth how about parenting oh 100 percent and just going back to religion, by the way, um, we have currently in our um, in our current we're running we're in the middle of a master practitioner at the moment, and we have uh, a few people who teach religion, Islam, actually, in um, in our in our current group. And there is one lady who was saying that you know there's so much of what you're saying that, and you talk about them as NLP principles, which actually are mentioned in the Quran. And there's there is actually, and she's and she she was saying that you know I was originally very nervous about coming because. Um, you know, I'd heard that there's a conflict. I met you. She met me somewhere and she goes, you know, I, I really liked you. So I decided to sign up. And um, she goes, there's so much of what you say that is that I teach as a religious teacher. And it actually and now I have science to back up what I what I was saying. Um, and so, so that's yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, and in terms of, sorry, go, go ahead, please. No, please. You were mentioning about parenting. Yes. Parenting, husband, being a husband, son, whatever. All yeah. of that. All, all of the above. All of the above, because NLP is about when you learn NLP, you you learn to understand yourself better. You learn to understand what are the unconscious motivations, drivers inside of you, the reason why you're doing something or what's behind it. What's the construct from which you're coming from, as well as um, uh, other people, whether it's your partner, whether it's a parent, whether it's a child, what are the uh, what are the potential unconscious drivers and motivations behind what they're doing? And so how can I show up? Another thing is we're all driven by our goals and our motivations are often 
uh, away from, as we call it. Our goals will be, well, I don't want, or my child is being a pain and I don't know how to deal with it, or my wife or husband or whatever, right? It's all away from, like there's a problem and I don't want that problem. And as we know in NLP, you've done NLP, right? No, I have not, not yet. You haven't done NLP, okay. So in NLP, it's like what you focus on is what you get. Because NLP looks at the relationship between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and the interaction between the two. And so you you focus what, what you focus on is what you get. So when you're focusing on problem and trying to get over problem, problem you're just going to create more of it. And there's a big difference between, say, using the parenting example, there's a big difference between my child is a pain, reactive, uh, uh, argumentative, and it won't listen to me and trying to handle that to I want to have a meaningful relationship with my child where we have better communication, very different pathways. And what NLP does, it helps you to clear your thinking. It helps you to be more functional. So in terms of when you have a child and, and they're being reactive or they're being argumentative or they're being rebellious or they're being whatever, and rather than floundering with it and getting worked up with it and struggling with it, it's like, okay, sitting back and thinking, okay, what is it that I want? I want A, B, C, D. And what can I do? How do I need to be to enable that? And, you know, when I was in early in my journey um, in NLP and my children and I, we were sitting at the dining table one night having dinner and having a joke and laughing about something. And my daughter, you know, she suddenly stopped and she said, you know, mama, you used to be such an angry person. And it broke my heart. Um, but at the same time, I was so grateful that she, that the children were noticing that things had changed. And my anger, anger is always a symptom. And my anger was because I was feeling whatever I was feeling inside. And, you know, whatever confusion and whatever turmoil was happening inside of me, it was being expressed as anger. And that was influencing how I was showing up in my relationships, what I was doing and what I could see and what I couldn't see. And when NLP helped me to completely rewire my brain, it was, I mean, it was a sea change. Amazing. For me in my life, in my relationships. Aliyah, do you see? You see individuals come in and like person is not earning that much, doesn't do very, very lazy, takes your course, NLP course, and over time, have you seen like that much of transformation in your in your experience? So many. Really? And the thing that I will say though is again, so first of all, there's no such thing as lazy because what that means, uh, so lazy again is 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 a, is, is a label. And when we put labels, then we create them as identities, and then that's it. Lazy, what, rep what lazy represents is that there is a deeper value or belief that is sabotaging a goal or who we desire to be. And so anything deeper is going to have more weight, right? Um, and so that's what lazy is. That's what, that, that's what, that's when we label lazy, that's what's happening. And when we can understand and recognize what are those deeper values or beliefs or whatever it is that is causing a sabotage? Maybe it's a disconnect. Maybe we believe we need to be that, but truly inside, that's not what we want yeah, or who we, we are. It could be anything, 100%. right? 100%. Now, the other thing is that, and this is what I've mentioned earlier, is that success takes time. And, and for most people, and that's the difference why between successful people and unsuccessful people. Because you can see an overnight success, but you don't you don't know the journey of all the effort they've put 100%, 100%. in. Hundred percent. And um and so it's it's I think when people want overnight when they look at when they have their their models and we are, invite people to we encourage people to have models of excellence, 
But when you have a model of excellence, you need to respect the amount of time and effort they've put in because you're doing a disrespect to them, but you're doing a disrespect to yourself too. And our subconscious mind, what often happens is that our sub, when we have a goal and we want to achieve it soon, so we, we remove the reality of time in there, and B, we want to achieve it perfectly. And we don't like not being good or perfect at something. And so we will then give up. Most people will give up. And the difference between successful and unsuccessful people are those who don't give up. Consistency, persistence, and grit are the three indicators of success, are, are influences um, of success far more than intelligence or capability, because that can all capability can be learned and influences and, and intelligence is fluid. Right. And so what I tell my, we have this, we have a graph, right? We, when we start we, sometimes we don't know of anything. Say for example, in NLP, people who come into our training, they have never heard of NLP or anything. They don't know anything about, or they, maybe they've heard of it, but they don't know nothing about it. Right. So they're at unconscious incompetence. They don't even know what they don't know. Then they come in and they're taught a bit of stuff and they're like, okay, you know, and they start doing it and they're pretty crap at it. Right. And so they're at unconscious competence sorry they're at conscious incompetence right they're doing it they're aware of it now but they're doing it and they're hopeless at it or mediocre at it but they do it enough times they will get to conscious competence which is where they're doing it where it takes all of their effort and whatever and they're getting successful at it but it takes a lot of effort but if you keep doing it you get to unconscious competence we're not you don't even have to think about it it's like driving a car and I, what i tell my students is Give yourself the gift of conscious incompetence. Wow. Because if you're not good at if it's something that is important to you and you're not good enough at it yet, you're not, you haven't mastered it yet. It's because you need to go through the learning phase. And we learn more by messing up and failing than just getting it right. Because then we don't know what we got right. We did something now because that's going into rote learning. That's true. But when you mess up and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again, you are you are going to active thinking and you're you're able to then create your magic. That's Thomas amazing. Edison failed 99 times for the light bulb. Yeah. And he felt and so it's not really failing, it's what we call falling forward. That's amazing. Those, those mistakes are critical for your learning. Wow. Alia, your office is located where? So my current office that you can see the, the room that I'm in and the rest of it, I love my office, by the way, was also, by the way, my manifestation, something I dreamed about well before it became a reality. Um, this is based in Karachi. I do have uh, a presence still in Australia. Uh, Dynamic Communication was actually born in Australia, um, was, was set up, established in Australia. So I still have a presence there. Um, but this office is based in, in Pakistan. Uh, but we are what we call, we have a global foot, footprint. So our trainings are uh, hybrid, they're online and in the room. Um, so we, this physical space is just a space to come and land, but uh, we have a global presence. Okay. So I'm a salesperson. I'm a, I want to become a lawyer. I want to become a doctor. Based on our conversation today, it no matter, doesn't matter what occupation you want to get into, NLP will benefit you, yep. right? And if someone, oh, first of all, what's the name of your company? 
Dynamic Communications Consulting. Okay. And how long has Dynamic Communication been up and running for in Pakistan? So Dynamic Communications was established in 2012 in Melbourne, Australia. Um, in 2017, I moved to Pakistan and uh, I set up uh, Dynamic Communications here. And um, so, yeah, I've been here since then. Um, I do go back regularly to Australia as well. And we do have uh, work and uh, stuff happening there at the same time. But most of it is now being run from here. Um, and just to say, you know, when I first arrived in Pakistan, nobody had, there was a little bit of fringe NLP happening, but nobody knew what NLP was and nobody knew what coaching was. So I was, uh, I'm a leadership coach. I work with a, a senior leadership in companies. I work with business owners, et cetera. And that's what I was doing in Australia before I moved here. And I, I was going to a lot of the big companies and sort of explaining to them what I do and what I am. And they're like, is that like therapy? Is that like workshops? I'm like, no, it's different. It's blah, blah. And they had no idea. And today, and so one of the goals that I'd set for myself was I wanted to A, create a center of excellence in Pakistan for NLP. So to create the bridges for um you know, people from around the world having access to good quality NLP in Pakistan or out of Pakistan, which I've done, and also vice versa. Are uh, we being able to also uh, pass our expertise on outside, and also to have a, a a growing, robust coaching industry in Pakistan, both of which are happening. Now, I won't be arrogant and saying that I'm the only person who's done it. Uh, I'm not at all, but. It was a, a goal that I set. And today, more and more people in Pakistan are looking for NLP. That's amazing. Uh, coaching, life coaching. I mean, it's become it's becoming ubiquitous here where, you know, more every, every and to, to a fault because every other person is, you know, uh, identifying as a life coach. That's and amazing. what I will say, what I will say uh, here for anybody uh, of your audience who is looking for coaches or looking for trainings, both. It's very important to research the lineage of the people that you hire. So if you're going to be, you know, that you can get $16 Udeme courses on NLP. It's not, it, it, it's not recognized by anybody. Notice who the, the trainer, how, the, how long have they been trained? Who have, who have they been trained by? Which associations they're members of? If you are hiring a coach, what is their training? Who have they been trained by? Which association are they members of? Because every second person nowadays is actually calling them a, uh, themselves a life coach. Yes, I see that here quite often. Yeah. yeah. And so I think due diligence and research is really important. It's really important. I'm part of the NLP uh, International Leadership Summit. I was invited to be part of that uh, um, in 2019, um, which is a great, great, great honor. Um, and the Leadership Summit is basically uh, created by the creators of NLP, the elders, as they're called, a little bit medieval sounding, but the elders of NLP. And, you know, they're all at that next stage of their lives. And it's like, well, how do we protect this amazing modality? And who are the new, who are going to be the future leaders, you know, who can help move it forward in the way that was always intended? Because there's a That's lot of what we can NLP out there. So I was really honored to be invited to be, you know, a guest member. And, you know, there's a whole Good process. for you. Congratulations. That's a, that's an honor. So mm -hmm. here I am in Florida. Uh, I can go ahead and purchase coaching and get trained on NLP virtually, correct? That's right. Okay. How much time? Have to do, do, uh, is it is it 
ongoing schedule? I have to wait for the season to start? How does it work? Yeah, so uh, we on we have so we have NLP trainings twice a year, a practitioner trainings twice a year, and then we have master practitioner once a year. So um, uh, practitioner training, uh, actually the next one starts in September, and it runs over. It's over three modules, five days each. So it's a fifteen day training over three modules that runs for about four to six weeks. So there's a break in between. Um, and it runs, it's all day. It runs from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pakistan time, um, which is, I appreciate the nighttime in, in, the, in the, um, the Northern North America. But we actually get a lot of, interestingly, we get a lot of um, people from Canada and America who sign up and then they, they run it. Uh, they do it through the night and, you know, however. So, so the practitioner is 15 days, three modules, starting, I think, end of September, second half of September sometime. And then what the NLP practitioner is, it it's a deep dive into yourself. So whether you're doing it because you're an entrepreneur, whether you're doing it because you're a therapist, whether you're doing it because you're in, in, in the corporate sector, HR or, or whatever leader, whether you're doing it because you're a teacher, it doesn't matter. So what we tell people when they're doing the practitioner, come into the course for yourself. Just be you. Take what you want from it. Or some people want to be coaches, right? So it's like practitioner is entirely for you to help yourself understand yourself better, set your goals, et cetera. And then once they've successfully finished um, uh, practitioner, then when you go into master practitioner, you you get you you know trained in even more capabilities and then you're actually trained to become a coach now some people want to become coaches life coaches or leadership coaches or business coaches or whatever it might be um some people want to use that capability in their current workplace they want to you know go into whatever form use the coaching capability um and that master practitioner which is a more is a more uh, intense program there's a lot more to do we train you to then help other people in whatever modality and industry you want to work in. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and our trainings are recognized by um, American Board of NLP, by the Association of NLP. And also um, I'm, I'm a member of the uh, International NLP Trainers Association. So the, for, for master level, we give certificates to our master practitioners so that at the, the, even the NLP uh, International Trainers Association recognizes that they've been trained by me. So these are these are internationally recognized certifications. That's amazing. That's amazing stuff. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, Alia, where can we find you? Are you on social media? So very present on social media, um, um, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, uh, my company, as well as myself. And you can follow us both. Um, we have a website. The website is actually under uh, is being revamped. It's it's present, but it's being revamped. So um, it's been revamped a few times, and now it's being revamped again. Okay. Um, so that we do have a website where the information is available as well. Um, but social media is the best place to find us. I'm gonna I'm gonna put your links in the end of the description. Yeah, please do. Um, one, sorry, one thing I want to say. You yes, know, You said you 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 um, complimented me. Thank you very much. And you said that's amazing. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. And every time I hear people say that, I really appreciate it deeply because for me, what that represents is a journey I've been on for many, many years and the hard work that has gone in every day. 
And that hard work has been me singing my song and that songs become better and better and better. And today I am so joyful to be able to say that I no longer work a day in my life and I've never worked harder in my life. So um, when people, you know, say positive things and thank you for what you said to me, then you said, that's amazing. That's what it represents. That's amazing. Good work, Alia. Good work. Well, I'm planning to come to Pakistan soon. We'll uh, stop by the office and meet with you and your staff. Um, Thank you so much, Alia, for joining us today in Stroke of Success Podcast. We'll do a part two with you again uh, one day. But thank you for being here and thank you for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. It's great chatting with you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much.